I'm Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a weekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if this podcast is helpful to you, come join us at the Digital Commerce Alliance. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org. This week, I'm talking with Dave Passavent, the founder and CEO of Triple, which is a rewards and loyalty platform birthed out of Numo. Numo is PNC Bank's fintech incubator subsidiary. Dave and I are picking up some themes from his keynote presentation at the upcoming DCA Summit on December 6th in Washington, D.C. In particular, Dave's going to be talking about how incumbent banks are responding to fintech challengers. Before we get to that interview, we'll dig into a few of the big stories these days in digital commerce. First, is it midnight for digital commerce M&A? Then local retailers no longer on their own? Is Uber coming to the rescue? Reddit wants to be an NFT mastermind, and it looks like they might have some good karma. Everybody agrees holiday spending is expected to rise 6 to 8% this year. And the Taylor Swift ticket debacle. Who's the problem here? All that's ahead. And of course, the main event, my conversation with Dave Passavent of Triple. Commerce Code is brought to you in part by Vantage Score. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use Vantage Score to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. M&A transactions in the digital commerce sector are slowing. After two years of record numbers of deals, transactions in the sector are seeing a slowdown. Financing advisory firm Hamilton Partners reports that Q1 2022 marked the last M&A spike among digital commerce companies. In the last six years, each quarter has seen between 300 and 450 M&A transactions until the markets heated up in Q4 of 2020, at which point each quarter saw between 500 and 700 transactions in this digital commerce sector. In Q2 of this year, M&A transactions fell back to levels typical in 2019 and before with 410 transactions. Turbulent times are impacting the value of digital commerce stocks and diminishing valuations. Supply chain challenges, the war in Ukraine, inflation, and high interest rates are driving decline in transaction volumes. As fintech values drop, it remains to be seen whether companies and investors will scoop up digital commerce companies on a bargain basis, and maybe that'll keep transaction values at a reasonable level for a while. Local non-chain stores might now be better able to compete with large retailers, thanks to a new partnership between point-of-sale provider National Retail Solutions and Uber. Under the partnership, NRS and Uber will help mom-and-pop shops go head-to-head with national retail players by providing delivery services. Uber Eats is credited with helping local restaurants weather the COVID-19 storm. More than 76% of local restaurants say that they would have closed without the food delivery services provided by firms like Uber. Perhaps the arrival of delivery services for local retailers could deliver the same result. Holiday retail revenues are expected to be 6% to 8% higher than last year. On the high end, the National Retail Federation anticipates sales of $960 billion in November and December in the U.S. Consumers are fueling the pressure of higher prices across the board. Many households are supplementing spending with savings and credit. 
Yet significant growth in spending is expected, continuing 14 consecutive years of increased holiday revenues as reported by the National Retail Federation. The last time holiday revenues fell was 2008, when the global financial crisis put consumers in a hesitant mood and total revenues were around $500 billion, a little less than the previous year, 2007. This year, the average consumer is expected to usher in the season by spending $838 on gifts, decorations, and food. Reddit is into digital collectibles, otherwise known as NFTs or non-fungible tokens. The social news forum began offering collectible NFT avatars in July. Users were a little slow to catch on, but transaction volume has recently soared, hitting $7.5 million at Reddit. Reddit is the 20th most visited website in the world, leading NFT obsessives and blockchain gurus to view the site's adoption of NFT sales as a sign that regular people are ready to come on board with the trend. Finally, you may have seen that Taylor Swift's concert ticket sales made headlines after the musical mastermind made headlines for the colossal success of her most recent release. Last week, her fans had to navigate an online labyrinth to buy tickets for her upcoming 52-concert tour across the U.S., and Ticketmaster is in some hot water. High demand for the coveted tickets resulted in online chaos. Ticketmaster would have, could have, certainly should have, kept up with demand, but there was a glitch. Long wait times awaited even those with a pre-sale code, and ultimately millions of would-be concert-goers were marooned. All tickets were sold in pre-sale before they could be offered to the general public. At this point, anyone who wants tickets will need to resort to the secondary market, or just settle for sweet nothing. It appears that over 3 million people attempted to buy tickets in the few days in which they were on sale. In the end, 2.4 million fans were able to get tickets to these concerts. For those who were left empty-handed and full of questions, it seems all Ticketmaster can say is, You're on your own, kid. Today on the show, I'm having a conversation with Dave Passavent, co-founder and CEO of Triple, about what it takes to build rewarding consumer experiences and how banks are doing that in the face of fintech challengers. Join us on December 6th in Washington, D.C. for our DCA Summit, Harnessing the Disruption, Succeeding at Digital Commerce in a Recession Economy. Come join other executives from leading financial, retail, and technology firms to assess the path to success in the face of economic challenges and disruptive new technologies. Head over to our website at digcomall.org to reserve your spot today. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on Commerce Code. Where are you joining us from today? Hey, Dan, my pleasure. I'm joining from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're excited about the conversation here and interested in what you're doing. And in particular, the background for this is that we're going to have you as one of the kind of key presenters at the DCA Summit on December 6th. I know that you are going to talk as in conversation with you. We've kind of worked through some of this about five forces that are shaping the next five years of digital commerce. I won't pop the balloon on what all the five forces are, but one of them we thought we would spend some time unpacking today on the podcast. And it's about sort of banks working across more than before some of their traditional internal silos. And so I wanted to just maybe start there and say, you know, what's the biggest change that you have seen in this regard, as, as you kind of look back across the last, say, you know, three to five years or so? 
What I've seen over the last five years is that it is, in fact, a willingness to reach across traditional product and business line silos, mainly driven by, I think, especially in the past two years, let's say, a real understanding and sort of deeper appreciation for the threat from new players, fintech sort of challengers. You know, when that happens, when new entrants get taken seriously, incumbent players like big banks start to look at how they can use their incumbency advantage, right? And what we're seeing is, you know, a lot of that incumbency advantage is going and working inside of traditional mature lines of business with massive existing customer relationships and trying to figure out how can we create unique products, services, value propositions that would be hard to replicate from an, a new player that is, you know, again, just building up a line of business. There's an appetite to do that inside of big banks and businesses and consumers alike will start to see more products that either explicitly or, you know, behind the scenes have kind of a cross-functional, cross-silo benefit it's hard to do across well-ingrained established silos inside of large institutions. So, you know, exactly how it will play out is, is TBD. It's not obvious who wins in the incumbent versus the, in this context, fintech or upstart or neobank. But it is true, though, that incumbents have a, a terrific advantage in many ways. And so you're saying you see more agility, flexibility and responsiveness. If we look forward, and this calls for speculation, but I'd love to, I'd love to get yours. Imagining forward a few years, three years, five years, whatever, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference then, you know, in terms of how things operate in, inside a bank or that cross-silo collaboration, or maybe what, what is the customer experience that they didn't think they would ever get out of a major bank? You know, I think the desire for agility and collaboration and innovation, broadly speaking, is obviously different than being able to deliver it. That's what will play out over the next years. And by that, I mean, not all large incumbent banks will survive. And certainly not all midsize or small incumbent banks will survive. There will continue to be consolidation. And the ones that are able to adapt their, let's just say, ability to deliver the fullness of what their customers want from both, you know, the regulatory and call it supply chain, use your analogy, into the actual digital, sort of full digital experience. Those are the folks that are going to actually thrive in the new world. I, I mean, I do expect that, you know, the tide's kind of on its way out here on some of the sort of fintech challengers that weren't the strongest ones, right? But I firmly believe that, you know, the tide will go out, but there will be consolidation, folks will retool and, and come back. And the strongest, smartest ones will be terrific competitors. I think in five years, you'll see things like banks launching very specific targeted offerings, things like if a bank has a merchant acquiring business and a large consumer business, you'll see products, services, benefits on both sides for both consumers and merchants that play up the benefit on the other side of the coin. Again, I, not everyone can do this. Not everyone has a scale to do it. And many folks who want to do it won't be able to execute on it. But I do think you will see some, again, very specific value props that feel novel to consumers. Again, it's because of that multiple silo vertical incumbency. And you'll see that in the next five years, I think, play out. Let me come at it with a sharp hypothesis. I'd love to get your reaction. I know that you've probably touched some of this, but had a converse, great conversation actually last week at one of our sessions that was kind of about you know technology disruption, et cetera. And in one of the subgroups, the view was expressed by somebody that was definitely not working for a major bank. And they were saying, look, major banks are essentially going to disappear behind a curtain and fintechs, they're going to be the interface with consumers. And then banks are going to play this sort of regulated entity role. And I love sharp hypotheses like that because they push you. 
I, I don't think this is likely to be how things evolve. Just because the brand presence is so powerful, it's hard to imagine a world where, for example, my kids just are like, oh, yeah, that like Wells Fargo. I guess I used to remember that name. You know, I, I don't see that, but could be wrong. What's your reaction to that idea? You know, I think that it's not smart to seed your relationship with your customer, no matter who you are. I don't see a world where big banks, you know, willingly fade off into the background and become utilities. It's not a smart business strategy by and large now. So I don't see many big players just kind of throwing up their hands and saying, oh, we just, you know, we can't deliver great visual experiences. So we'll just go and, you know, work, work with our regulators and run a bank in the background. Having built some, you know, regulated products here, it's also not possible, right? If you are delivering a product, you're responsible for the entirety of the experience, right? Including the digital experience on the front end. So seeding that to somebody else would create kind of an untenable level of risk by and large, is sort of my opinion on it. And just to push it one further step, I mean, I think most people would have to agree that no one would voluntarily do it. Well, maybe that's not true, but let's just imagine that no one voluntarily does it. But maybe the other aspect of the thesis is, look, banks just can't move fast enough to keep up with the quality of consumer interface. Therefore, they will lose. I think your your point about you know collaborating better, being more agile and able now is is kind of the counterpoint to that. It's like no, actually, they've got the resources and the will to respond effectively. So that's part of it. But do you, do you think there is a, a chance or a risk? I mean, maybe some banks end up being utilities because they just can't hack it. I think that's right, and that's exactly where I was going with it. Right, just just because a bank anyone doesn't want to give up their relationship with their customer doesn't mean the customer won't have other thoughts. Right, so. Ultimately, you know, obviously, I, I believe that having increased quality competition on the market is great for customers. And certainly, technology companies are built from the ground up with a digital DNA that is certainly not the original DNA of incumbent banks, right? In terms of just being able to deliver outstanding digital products quickly. So, I, I think customers absolutely will have something to say about that. And it's sort of this battle that's playing out is can banks remake themselves quickly enough and nimbly enough so they can do things like launch features in a timely manner that customers demand enough to keep them from jumping ship. I think that that will be a fierce, fierce battle is my point, right? I think that you're absolutely right. Some banks may look at it and say, I can't make the investment to keep up with both the sort of very intelligent, nimble fintech players and also the major banks that can spend tremendous dollars, right? So those folks, I think, will have an existential decision around, do I want to be more targeted and kind of move into the sort of background as a sort of survival mechanism? But by and large, I think that will be a fierce war between the scale incumbent players and the sort of upstart technology players over the next five years, for sure. You know, Triple is a loyalty and a product, you know, rewards product, and your career has certainly been involved in, in loyalty and rewards. Where does all of this take us in terms of loyalty and, and rewards in the future? Ultimately, anybody that's involved in financial services and sort of digital financial services is looking for value propositions beyond the commoditized, obviously, store my money, move my money type things. Right. So this is where we got excited about triple. I, I think one major place that this not only the cross silo collaboration can happen both inside of banks, but, you know, outside of banks. So banks working in different ways with their commercial customer base. One major place that that will happen again, it's happening now. Right. But even more so over the next five years will be in this loyalty and rewards space. So. This is why we got very excited about the space and including another thing we'll talk about live and in person around some of the regulatory changes that are happening around 
how interchange is calculated and distributed, how the opening up of payment processing options, but maybe even more importantly, regulation around privacy and consumer data protection, how those are also literally enabling on the fly pretty dramatic new forms of collaboration between lines of business inside of banks and customers, essentially merchants outside of banks. So bottom line, we think that the time is right, you know, based on some of those macro trends for a platform that does some exciting things in the space, taking advantage of that openness that is going to occur over the next again, the next sort of cycle here. I want to pivot to a last question here and get your perspective on something we've been talking to folks in DCA about lately. We've got joining us on December 6th at the summit, Kathy Craninger, who ran the, the CFPB, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, for two years recently. And we're just collecting questions for her. She's doing a kind of a fireside chat, ask me anything thing with us for about an hour. What would you ask her? And we will ask it to her. So I'd love to get your answer on that. One thing we spend a lot of time thinking about is what should the government's role be in enabling sort of smart, permissioned access to consumer financial information, right? Sort of that the direction of of consumers. And I'd love to hear her point of view on maybe even in a very targeted way, what's the kind of smartest proposal that she saw during her time on, on what the government's role can be in enabling that access to data? I'd be very curious her take on that. Great, great. We will ask. And that's a great, I mean, it's a super important question, as you know, and as I think our listeners largely know. So Dave, thank you so much for your time today. And we'll look forward to your session. We're talking about all five forces on December 6th. In the meantime, for you and for all of our listeners, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks, Dave. Commerce Code is a weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practice sharing. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week.